Welcome to the New Grace Sermon Podcast. Our church exists so people experience new life in Christ. We invite you to connect with us on social media at newgrace.cc on Facebook and Instagram. For more information about us or to support this ministry financially, visit us at newgrace.cc. Thank you so much for tuning in to listen to the New Grace Podcast. This year, we had a revival of three nights, and we were so excited to host Pastor Chad Smith, Pastor Daniel Gray, and Pastor Wayne Owenby. I hope that these messages are a blessing and encouragement to you. Thank you so much for listening. In my dresser drawers in my bedroom, Ashley and I finally, we all used to live in a little tiny apartment on the east side of Athens. We finally got a house now where the is big enough we could put our dresser drawers in the closet. The top dresser drawer, Pastor Daniel, I got a, I got a little black box. Little black box on top of the dresser drawer. That little box is, is probably not two or three dollars. It's not really worth anything. But the reason I held on to it is it's significant and it has a value that cannot be measured with decimals and dollar signs because that's the box that used to house the wedding ring that I gave Ashley. And I know that box isn't worth hardly. I mean, five dollars won't even cut. I mean, it's not even five dollars. You have to understand that at, at one time there was a valuable treasure inside of that box. And if I was to lose that box right now, I would just lose a sentimental piece. But there was a time when that box housed something of intrinsical value that had I lost the box when it had the ring in it. One, I probably wouldn't be married and I probably wouldn't be your pastor. <laughs> but it wasn't about the box that gave its value. It was the contents in the box that gave its value. When you look at me and when you look at you tonight, there's not a whole lot to look at concerning the box. And that, you know, Every now and then I see a video or a picture of my box from a few years ago. And, 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 and my box from a few years ago looks a little bit better than the box in 2023. If I had my box gotten a little bit bigger and a little bit more bottom. And I want to report to you tonight that regardless of what happens to the box, there is a contents inside that you cannot measure or equate with any precious metal, with any current metal, because that precious contents of cargo is none other than the very spirit of God. And I want you to know something tonight. You are a carrier. You are a transport, and you are the vehicle of his presence. And as his child, listen to me, as his child, because you're in the house, he's in the house. He is in this room, and he wants to minister, and he wants to meet you on me. Let's give him praise one more time. Come on, let's go for him. He inhabits. He inhabits the presence of his people. Have a seat. Thank you so much for standing and worshiping tonight. Worship team, wonderful job. Thank you for just being obedient. You can have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. Church, I, I, I just, I got my fill last night, and I, I can't tell you how excited I am to be back here again with you tonight. And the word that I believe God has appointed and assigned for us tonight, I am ready to receive it. I, I, I told you kind of a little bit last night, I... I have someone coming tomorrow night that I'm very familiar with, that's mentored me, and I've preached with, and he's preached for me before. And um, tonight, we brought a gentleman here from Douglasville, Atlanta, Georgia, that, um, interesting enough, I did something I've never done before. Someone had brought this gentleman's name to me when I was talking about possibly having revival. And they said, they said, Eric, you, you would really like this guy. He's a lot like you. And I said, really? 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 Okay. I guess they knew I was just full of myself and that I would just automatically like the person that was like me. And so I, I got his name and, and, I, and I looked him up online and he 
Cowboys back here. 
You can tell they were new. It's their first week. It's like we're just. Is it okay if I have fun tonight? I ain't going to shame, no shame in the game, man. Yeah, it's awesome. Them dudes can break me in half right now. Looking like some WWE superstars over here. Anyway, uh, I like to have fun when I preach, okay? So uh, don't throw anything at me. We can still experience a move of God. Even though we laugh, even though we have a good time in church, we can still experience a move of God. So here's what I want to do. First of all, if you've never met me, my name's Daniel. I'm a pastor in Douglasville, about two hours, 15 minutes away from here. We are a family of churches at Chapel Hill Church. We've got four locations, Douglasville, Atlanta, Bremen, and Dunwoody. And uh, God's moving really in an incredible way. I get the opportunity of being the lead pastor of our Douglasville location. And man, we are experiencing so much momentum this year. People's hearts, people giving, sowing. Our church gave over $2 million to missions this year. I didn't say tithes. I didn't say $2 million. That is a miracle in an inflationary year. Listen, we had a goal. We had to say, Lord, use our church. Our church is a mission church. We said, Lord, use us to send missionaries. We want to support hundreds of missionaries. We want to support Conway Pope. We want to print Bibles in new languages. Lord, we want to do it. Lord, we need $2 million. And then inflation set in, and people started losing jobs, and price of eggs is $8, and you can't fill up without all the. And, and God still exceeded our goal through the hearts of people. And that's just another reason why I know God is up to something right now. I ain't even in my sermon yet. I already got like a three-hour sermon, so let me just jump right in here. Um, I want to go to Joshua. I believe they're going to have it on the screen. I want to do something tonight. I want to do something a little different. I want to start in Joshua chapter 5, and then we're going to run over into Joshua chapter 6. We're going to read uh, parts of chapter 6, and then I believe God's going to move in our midst. And and I say that because here's what I think. You, You can just have a church service tonight, or you can have faith and believe God for miracles. We could just say, okay, we're going to hear the sermon, you know, we're going to sing a little song, you know, maybe two songs at the end, lift our hands and my praise, and then we go on and go to the restaurants or whatever. Or we could say, God, we're not leaving till you move. God, we're not leaving till you heal somebody. God, we're not leaving till you convince us. God, we're not leaving till there's repentance at the altar. God, we're not leaving. We are going to make room for you. We make room in our schedules. We make room in our hearts. We make room in our minds. We make room, oh God. For you and our faith, oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus. It says in your word, as my faith is, so be it unto me. So I believe, God, for the miraculous, wonder-working, miracle-working hand of God upon this service, God, before I preach or read or teach or read anything, God. We declare, we decree, this is your house, do whatever you want to do. This is your service, move however you want to move. Have your way in this place in Jesus' name. Somebody with faith say amen. Amen, amen. I want to jump right in. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 13, it says, Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. I love that. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message or what word does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now, go right into chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out, and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See! you got to underline that word later when you open your real Bible or something. You just got to, See! This is what the Lord says. See! I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with his king. And it's like, God is saying, I know this looks impossible, but I've actually already done it for you. Only God can say he has, when to us, he hasn't. Because while we live in time, God is on the outside of time. And while we're praying for provision, God has already provided. Because he's outside of time. So what we're worried about tomorrow, he's already there. He's already made a way. He's already prepared it. He's already provided. I'm sorry. I felt the Holy Ghost. 
listening to quite a minute. I love verse 3. He gives them instruction. He says, march around the city once with all the armed men and do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up everyone straight in. Now one more time, I'm skipping all the way down to verses 20 and 21 of Joshua 6. And it, and it reads, when the trumpet sounded, the army shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Now, all of this just to get verse 21. I want to highlight underscore in our reading. Verse 21, and it reads, They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword. Somebody say, with the sword. Can't hear you say, with the sword. Every living thing in it, men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep, and donkeys. I, I want to take a moment tonight and preach a message, but really my message doesn't have a title. I think my message is better suited at, and presented as a question that I would like to present and postulate before us tonight. And that question is this, where is the power? I like this guy. He's got clear. Where is you. there is a this power is available to me as a believer? If there is power available to me as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a servant, as a son, as a friend, as an employee, as an employer, if there is power available oh, to do great and mighty works, to pursue my purpose, to move in the spiritual gifts, to have the fruit of the spirit, if there is some way I in my human finite abilities can tap into and press into something that is supernatural. I want that power. Power beyond my skills. Power beyond my, my knowledge. Power beyond my experience. Power that is unexplainable. Father, I pray in Jesus' name you would have your way in our midst. Devil, we speak to you once we serve you. Notice the only place you belong tonight is under our feet. So now, God, we decree and declare we're going to hear this word and God, we're going to leave this place better because of this word. Not hearers only, but doers of it. It's in Jesus' name. And somebody with faith say amen. If you believe it, come on, give him a worthy praise right there. Come on, he's a good God. He's a worthy God. Yeah. We got a lot of business to do tonight. I, I'm, I'm going to move swiftly. I, I'm not going to keep here four hours, or at least at least two. But, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I, I won't be before you long. I, I really feel like my job tonight, if I'm being really transparent with you and honest, is my job is to just say something and get out of this way. <laughs> That's what I feel like I'm here to do. So, um, Let's talk about Joshua. We're reading from Joshua 5 and 6. And I got to tell you tonight, uh, you guys are my new family, so I just want to tell you, uh, Joshua to me is one of my favorite characters to preach on. I, I love Joshua. I love the biblical imagery of Moses to Joshua. I love Joshua because he is a picture of a next generation leader. Uh, Moses was trusted and, and, and really he, he was empowered by God to be his voice to an entire nation of people. And you know, Moses was also in charge, entrusted in charge and empowered by God to do what? To take those people, Israel, to this place called the Promised Land. And this place that they were promised, Moses led them, but he never got them to the promise. I just, I think about being Joshua and having to follow this guy, Moses. I'm sure he never got into the promised land, but Moses was a pretty cool leader. I don't know if you ever saw a movie with Charlie Benson and all that other stuff. But Moses was a bad man. Moses, as a leader for, for God's people, uh, Moses was really cool because as long as he was with you, as long as he was there, and he had his stick in his head, he's going to be fine. Because you know, they're all, all time the Israelites were always struggling through something. There was one story where they were they were hungry, you know, and sometimes when you get real hungry, you start to have an attitude, you know what I'm saying? Like, I know nobody here in this church deals with this thing called anger, you know, when hunger and anger collide and the demon wants to manifest himself. Okay, don't look at your spouse there, okay? It's not right, okay? Don't even do that. Don't even go there. They were so hungry in one of the stories that they started to murmur and complain. And the Bible says Moses steps up with his staff in his hand, stretches out the staff, 
the people of God. This is in your Bible. You should read this passage. They were filled. They were satiated. They were taken care of by God. There was another story in the Bible where this time they were they were thirsty. They were so thirsty they were parched. And and what happened? Moses says, "I got you." Stretched out the stick. Taps on rock and sea water starts flowing out of the rocks. This is Moses. Or, or maybe one of the most famous stories about Mo is the time where he was leading the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and slavery. Do you, you know the story? You know how this went down. When they got to this place, this big body of water that they had to somehow miraculously cross over, uh, and, they're, and they're realizing that we can't get through this on our own, we, 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 we're, they're going to come and capture us again. Take us back into bondage and slavery. And if you know the story, what does Moses do? You already know. He steps up and says, I got you. Stretches out the stick and the water's part. And the Bible says they got across on dry ground, which is absolutely a miracle because Moses was really a one man show. As always, Moses was there. He's got the problem with his style of leadership, okay, is that he never got them to the place they were supposed to take them. For all those years and all those things he did, he never got into the promise. And the Bible declares that Moses would pass the baton of leadership to Joshua. Now Joshua becomes God's man, God's leader, to lead his people to this place called the promised land. And I just think about being Joshua. Like, it's, 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 you're the new guy, okay? Now, if you're the Israelites, basically Joshua's first week on the job, he beats into a place called the Jordan River. Know the story, you know, they get to the Jordan River, body of water they have to somehow miraculously cross over. You know, if I'm the minister, if I'm one of the Israelites, I'm looking at Joshua like, mm-hmm, been here before, where's your stick? <laughs> yeah, if Mo was here, got a big bottle of water, yeah, been here before, got the t-shirt, everything, man. They're waiting, and they're looking at Joshua like, what's he going to do? And, and the Bible says Joshua begins to, begins to, oh, I love this, because it's a next generation leader. He didn't lead like Moses. See, Moses would have stretched out the stick. But Joshua says, all right, here's what we're going to do. He worked He said, you guys are going to pray. You guys are going to worship. You guys are going to intercede. You guys are going to carry the ark. You guys are going to go in front. And you guys are going to bring up the rear. And we're going to keep in this thing together. And Joshua says, together. We are going to move forward. And the Bible says the same God, the same God that split the Red Sea, splits the Jordan River. And I love this. I love this. Because, see, see, Joshua became the new Moses, in effect. And the same God who used Moses to split the Red Sea now uses Joshua to split the Jordan River. And I love this because Joshua didn't do it like Moses would have done it. And this is good preaching, just a few minutes in. Because this means you don't have to be just like somebody else to be used by God. You have been uniquely saved and crafted. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Don't let anybody else tell you. You have to be anybody else but you. You have a purpose and you accept for that purpose. If you were going to give God a working praise right there, I've been made in Yeah. 
way you have to traverse to then get to the inner wall that is Dude. twice as big and twice as high before you can even get into the inner sanctuary of their city. And they were heavily militarily fortified. Why do I tell you all that? Because you have to take a walk in the shoes of the Israelites for a moment. For them, they had never seen a city like Jericho. They had never been this far. And this would have been the first city of many that they realized if we're going to go where God is taking us, we got a lot of enemies we have to overcome. We got a lot of evil, a lot of wickedness, and a lot of sin, and a lot of idolatry that we have to go through. And God was leading his people in city after city after city. They would go and they would destroy these cities that were so evil and so wicked and so lost because. Before Jesus died on the cross, so God would smite entire nations because of their wickedness and their sin. And so, as they were looking at the city, realizing they don't have anything to somehow uh, uh, attack, think about it. They didn't have no bazooka, they didn't have those trebuchet things yet, lost big rocks. You know? They had like some slingshots and like a bow and arrow. That's it. No hand grenades, no guns, no artillery, no Chuck Norris, like nothing. <laughs> and so as they're standing there, staring at this city, realizing that we got to go through that to get where God's taking us, they realize this is an impossible situation. And while they're looking at this situation and looking at their new leader, someone else in this picture, did you get it? The Bible says Joshua looks up. And sees a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua does what I would probably do if some random dude appeared holding a weapon on me. Whose side are you on? Are you for them or for us? Where are you coming from? With the sword and all. You know? He says, He says, Whose side are you on? And this and this this man replies, and he says, hey, he says, neither. Because uh, God didn't have to fight for me. By a Trump victory. You don't have to take a side. Yes. Uh, another sermon, another time. Joshua sees this man, and he hears him make this statement. I have given you the city. Now, first of all, it sounds like this is much more than just an angel descending out of the clouds to come and speak to this servant. Because, you know, sometimes an angel of the Lord will appear, and even certain translations may even talk about this as an angel of the Lord. Or, but it also calls him the commander of the Lord's army. And I learned in Bible college, and I think it's important that we just take a second and call a timeout. And this is what we call audible to explain this. You see, this would have been a physical, in the appearance of a physical man. But it wasn't an angel, and it wasn't a man. See, 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 see. He says, Joshua, he says, he says, take your shoes off and fall down and worship me. Okay, so, 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 so the last time I heard somebody say that, it was God through a burning bush to Moses. And now the same words are coming from this man. And see, scholars and theologians for years have called this encounter that Joshua is having with a man. They call this a theophany or a Christophany. And it is the closest thing we can see to Christ in the Old Testament that the Spirit of God came in the appearance of a physical man to speak to Joshua. And he said, I have already done it. So they're like, I don't know if I really believe that. Well, let me just break it down. He allows Joshua to fall down and give him worship. That's how I say angels don't receive, rather they give worship. So I submit to you for your careful examination. What we see in the text is the manifest presence of God showing up in his time of need. And then what does he say? He says, I have already done it. I've already given you the city, the king, the men. It's yours. I have. Notice he didn't say, I will. He didn't say, I will. He said, I have. He spoke in present tense for a future thing. And somehow tonight you need to hear the voice of God speak to you in present tense about something he hasn't even done yet. But he's saying tonight, I have. All throughout the scripture, I have to be so thankful for all the I have promises in the scripture. Because it says things like, I have prepared a way for you. I have prepared a table for you in the presence of your enemies. I have made the crooked path straight. I have, I have. God wants somebody tonight to hear this. It's not that you will be healed. It's that God says, I have healed you. It's not that you will be delivered. It's that God says, you have been delivered. You just have to catch up with 
you believe in, shout amen. Come on, shout amen again. So these Israelites, they see the picture, and then the commander shows up, and he begins to say all these promises. Now, I want to just take a moment to talk about this, because it's always been amazing to me that God gives Joshua the promise first before he ever started doing anything. Before he led the people, before he even spoke to the people, he met with God, and God gave him specific instructions, and then he attached it to his word. He said, I have already done it. He gives him the promise first. Because the promises of God are where the power is in your life as a believer. Can I break this down for a second? There are over 7,000 promises in this book. It is filled with promises. And so I want you to understand that if you have a problem tonight, for every problem represented by every person in the room, there is a promise in this book for that problem. Seven thousand promises. That doesn't even count all the curses that we see. All the curse in Deuteronomy. The curse that we see in Leviticus Numbers. Because every time you get to read the Old Covenant, Old Testament curse, it shows us what we have been redeemed from. So I can even read the curses oh, as blessings because I'm no longer bound. I'm no longer cursed. Jesus became the curse for me. So even the curses are still to bless me because I know I don't have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. It promise. Uh, let's do a quick poll. How many of you in this room tonight are Apple product users? iPhone, iPad, MacBook, Apple Watch. Look at all those hands. What a spiritual church you're leading, sir. My God, that's amazing. I knew it felt good here. Uh, perchance, maybe, possibly. Is there anybody here tonight who is a Google or Android phone user? Don't, don't say the name. Okay, keep your hands. Keep your hands. Okay, keep your hand up. The rest of us, let's extend our hands and say, Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, just do what you can, God. Release them from this bondage in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. I just have fun. But I'm an Apple guy. I always have been since like the first iteration of the iPhone. I've just always been down with the way the ecosystem works and all that stuff. I know it's not for everybody. Don't judge me, but one of the things I love about Apple is their marketing. I always thought they're just so simple, just so easy, just pretty clear. And I always, you know, kind of like their marketing. Well, years ago, they had this ad campaign. And some of y'all might remember this because it was really during the time that they were trying to push the app store. And they were doing these commercials and ads and things you didn't see if you look through magazines. And there was this little phrase that they were hugely popular and still popular. It was a software. There's an app for that. And they wanted all of us iPhone users, and even the Google Android users caught on to this too, because everybody got an app store. They want us to know for whatever you need, especially in 2023, there's an app for that. I remember when that commercial came out, there was no Uber, there was no DoorDash, there was no Instacart. They weren't even here yet. Now today, we realize anything you need, you just pull up the app store, boom, find the app for that. You get hungry and it got a ride, don't worry, you get a ride for some food. There's an app for that. If you're single and ready to mingle, don't worry, there's an app for that. You know what I'm saying? More and more people in our church are getting married. How do me? You know what I'm saying? There's an app for that. If you're like me and you're so ADD that you park your car, go into a store, come out and forget where you park. There's an app for that. You can just hit the button, take it right back to it. I'm serious. Like, they were prophesying, man. They have provided for us, okay? But what's amazing to me is, see, I'm from the South. I have a country boy. I can fit in. I can fit in with the Cowboys in this church, okay? Just a little bit. I was born in Alabama. Don't hate. Roll tight, okay? Don't judge. Don't hate.
powdery substance that falls from the sky that we don't really get a lot of here, but it falls off the top for months, and they shovel it in the sides of the parking lots, and then and then oh, and, and when you breathe up there, it's like, it's not like twenty two. It's twenty two. We're complaining. Our pipes are breaking up there. It's not twenty two. It's just. And you walk outside, and they call it the Windy City for a reason. And it's two, but it feels like negative 12. And you're like, why did God call me here? And this was my life, and I was a rookie. And I didn't And I, when I got there, it was so cold. I will, I will never forget walking outside of our church. I was, it was my first year there in the middle of the winter. And I walked outside where people were walking in. And we had this really high, like high awning over our church. And I just happened to look up on a Sunday morning, and I saw icicles. Bigger than me. I know that ain't saying a lot. But these icicles, I said to I started texting our maintenance scout, our operations scout. I was like, Pastor James, you gotta come over here. I was like, if it, listen, if that icicle falls and, and, and the church mother, uh, Mama Gertrude, is walking out, she's gonna die. She ain't gonna make it. That is an ice spear of death. It's gonna take somebody out of the game. I wasn't used to this stuff. Okay, let's have a little icicle on your tailpipe or something like that up there. By the way, have you ever thought about uh, icicles? How cold it must be! Water was falling from a building and stopped. <laughs> Just an element gave up and said, Nope, I did it. <laughs> Don't ever, if God calls you to Chicago, make sure you are hearing God, okay? <laughs> so, anyway, I say all that to say, while in Chicago, I left work one day, my homies are there, they're on staff, the other pastors, my friends, they said, Pastor Adam, you can go out and get you some gloves. Because up here, some, there are some times of the year where if you don't have gloves, it's hard to get in that car and drive unless you got to heat the steering wheel or whatever, you know? And so I didn't listen. And so one day I left the office. It was 5 o'clock in the middle of the winter. At 5 o'clock in Chicago in the winter, you walk outside of work and it is dark. There's no light left. I get in my car. It's probably 2 degrees. And, 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 and they were right my hand. I could not even the steering wheel. I was like, and so what did I do? I went to the app store. And I just decided to type in what I felt like my soul needed most. I typed in the word heater. And did you know there are apps that will cause the battery in your phone to overheat so that you can warm your hands? You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's a bad thing. (laughs) That's a very bad thing. You don't want to do that. Why do I share that little illustration tonight? I share that to really just land the plane on this transitional statement that I'm about to say. See, because their promises for, for everything you need, everything you need in your life, there's an app for that. You know what God says when it comes to his written word? He says for every problem in your life, there's a promise for that. For every area where you are in need, God says I have provided. What does that mean? If you're sick, God says there's a promise for that. He says by my stripes you can be healed. Listen, if you're depressed tonight and you're going through that, there's a promise for that. Because the word of God says that weeping may endure for one night, but joy is coming in the morning. If you feel far from God and like nobody understands you, if you feel ostracized, don't worry. There's a promise for that. Because the Bible says Jesus will be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Maybe you're in this room and you say, oh yeah, but what about my friend who doesn't know God? Where's the word for him? I'm so glad you asked. Because there's a promise for that friend too. Because the Bible says Jesus is a good shepherd who will leave the 99 to go after the one for every problem in your life. There's a promise for that. Somebody say there's a promise for that. There's a promise for that. There's a promise for that. What I'm dealing with, there's a promise for that. Where I'm struggling tonight, there's a promise for that. My physical need tonight, there's a promise for that. If I need a miracle, I can find a promise to attach my faith to in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. amen. I, I got to rush now, but see, I, I, I want to talk about Revelation for a moment because it's it's one thing to understand that when God spoke to Joshua, yes, he gave him a promise, but really what was happening in that scenario was God was entering into Joshua's situation, but he didn't speak to him concerning his situation. He spoke to him concerning his revelation. See, you have to understand that Joshua was in the middle of an impossible situation, but a God shows up and begins to say, to say things that don't line up with what he can see in the natural. God says it's done. Joshua's like, uh huh. But as a believer, if we're going to really walk in victory and confidence as a believer, we have to understand how to walk. 
this walk of faith. Not according to our situations. And I'm pointing beneath me for a reason. We have to walk according to our revelation. And what's higher and more real than what I can see in front of me.
it's that. the reason why I have all this stuff is because he 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 developed uh, this mold on his lungs. She said he has cancer, it's leukemia. And this mold has now covered both of his lungs. And she said the only thing that's keeping him alive right now is this breathing machine and a feeding tube and you know the medicines that he's on. She says, I've been here now for twelve days. And she said, he's not very, you know, cognizant, and it's, it's like, I don't really know what to do. She said, I don't, we don't have any other family. She said, I'm the only family here in Georgia he has. And then she just began to weep. And I realized that she was going through something really difficult, but she, before I could even say anything, she said to me, she said, you know what makes it so hard for me? She said, I can't believe I'm telling you guys this stuff. She says, just about a year ago, I was in this very small waiting room because my husband, who also had cancer, was having the procedure. He was in ICU. She said when the doctors came in this very room to get me, it wasn't to tell me that the surgery was a success, but due to complications, I lost my husband. She said, and somehow, here I am in the same waiting room with the same disease, attacking and trying to destroy the life of the only family member I have left. And she said, I've been here for 12 days because they're allowing me to sleep in, in, a, in a room, in a, in a hospital bed, and they're moving me now. She said, I, I don't really know what to do. I haven't gone to a hotel because I'm trying to make a decision. Like, do we pull the plug? Do we let him live? But like, you know, he's wrestling with this. I don't know what to do. It's hopeless. He's going to die. And as she was saying that, back here in the back of whatever this is back here, I started hearing another voice. And it's not even that, you know, impressive. It's just that that morning, I did what I do on many mornings. I opened my Bible and I read and that day, I just so happened to be reading in Psalms. And I remember the verse that left off the page for me that day said this, that my footsteps are ordered by the Lord. That thing left off the page and stuck with me, and I didn't know why until I heard Mary. And God started speaking to me. As she's telling me about this situation, I got revelation back here. And God is saying, remember I told you, your footsteps have been ordered. And I would not have allowed you to footstep into this room and marry a footstep into this room. If I didn't have a reason for you to be here, God was telling me while she was sharing with me that he made this happen. So I said, Mary, I'm sorry, dude. That sounds like you're going through something really tough. Not only are you dealing with the loss of your husband, but your brother, and you don't know what to do. You, you have no hope, but I can tell you something. We're Christians. I said, I believe in God. It wasn't always that way, but God did miracles in my life. I'm telling you, I know God can do a miracle. I said, my wife and I and her grandma, all three of us, believe in the power of God. And she said, that's amazing. And I said, so, can we pray for your brother? And she said, absolutely. She stood up, and I'll never forget this moment. We got a little prayer circle there, right in the middle of that hospital. And I began to pray out loud. I said, Mary, if it's all right with you, I want to pray for you to have peace, but I also want to pray specifically for your brother to experience a healing and, and totally have a miracle. And she said to me, she said, that's fine. So we started praying. And, and, and I, you know, I'm a preacher, so I was praying way too loud. Okay, I was like, Father, in the name of Jesus. I was praying every verse I could think of. I was giving every T.D. Jakes quote I could ever remember. I was, I was doing everything I could. And I said, in Jesus' name, amen. Looked up and there were doctors sitting there. They were like, sorry, you're being a little too loud. Okay, get behind me, Satan. Okay. <laughs> I didn't do that. I stayed safe. Okay. We prayed and said amen. And I will never forget what Mary said. She looked up. She said, thank you so much for praying. And we just know it's this time. Now, y'all, every day in my flesh, I wanted to be like, uh, Mary, hello? Anybody in there? Did you not hear my prayer? No hope, no faith, nothing. I didn't do that. I'm a pastor, right? I said, ma'am, I understand what you're going through. But we need you. So I said, God can help you. God can heal you. That was it. We left. Went home. We got to go see her, we got to see her grandfather, and we went home. And three days later, I got a phone call from the hospital. Mary got my number from my grandma, and she called and said, I just need to tell you that they finally came to get me today to take me to my brother. She said, and so much fear crept in when they came to get me because I've been through this before with my husband. She said, when I got to the room and I walked into my shop and all, there were two doctors standing at the foot of his bed, looking through some charts, flipping and scratching their head because the mold that was on his legs had 100% disappeared. It was gone for a limit, for a sign. They get tests on it. They said, sir, we don't know what happened, but there's no cancer on his lungs. There's nothing going on. We 
and raise the dead. We don't have to go to a foreign land to see the miraculous hand of God. We can see it right here in America. And I decree and declare right here in this church. In fact, I feel the holy anointing of God right now to prophesy over new grace that this is going to be a season where you are going to experience unexpected, unexplainable breakthrough miracles. People are going to be healed in their physical bodies. People are going to be healed in their emotions. And I heard the Lord say, people are going to be healed in their vision. The way they see God, the way they see the world, the way they see things, their worldview. God is going to heal people right here. If you believe that, you want to give them a worthy praise right there. Church, 
serving, giving, fasting, praying, tithing. Lord, I'm going to do everything you call me. Lord, I'm going to lay my life down. I'm going to sacrifice for others. I'm going to serve people. I'm going to go and help the homeless. I'm going to feed those who don't have food. Lord, I'll do whatever you're calling me to do. I'm, I'm submitted to you. And as you walk around this thing, you need God to do something. And you need him to perform a miracle within this thing, this situation. It seems like nothing is changing. And I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I have felt like as a believer, I was just walking in circles, going nowhere. Sometimes I would feel like I would take a couple steps toward the promise, but as soon as I feel that way, it seems like I'm going in the other direction. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever been there. Maybe I'm the only one that's ever felt like God didn't get my email, like God didn't get my message. Like, God, I need you right now. Six days, nothing. And the Bible declares on the seventh day. Don't have time before the biblical scholars. Biblical numerology is one of my passions, and you know Six is the number of man, and six is never enough because man always falls short. But seven is the number of perfection and completion. And I know that sometimes God doesn't show up when I want him to, but he always waits for the perfect time to show up in my life. And there have been times where I've looked back over my shoulder and I have said, God, thank you that you didn't give me this when I thought I needed it because I would have messed it up. I'm preaching better than y'all are but that's okay. See, see, so, so then, here's where we're going to get ready to lay the plane. A lot of times, the message we're in on the praise, we're not going to end there, but I want to talk about it. I can't skip past it. Because what I really believe happened was on that seventh day, when Joshua said, all right, this is the moment, shout, for the Lord has given you the city. When, when they shouted in that moment, I have to tell you that I am convinced this was so much more than just noise. I believe this was a praise from the hearts of God's people. How can you say that, Pastor Daniel? Well, let's break down what happened. It was an audible expression, burned out of expectation, based on what God had already promised. You didn't hear what I said? I'll rewind. If you let me go, if you let me go, it was an audible expression, burned out of expectation, based on what God had already said. So that means they weren't just praising God for what he had done for them. They were praising God for what they believed he was about to do for them. Does anybody have a breakthrough praise in the room tonight? That's powerful. Because that means you don't have to wait for the breakthrough to praise God. You can praise your way right into the breakthrough. If you believe it, give him a breakthrough praise right there. Come on, give him a breakthrough praise. When they shouted, the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Now, many times, many times, this is the place where the sermon ends. But if it's all right, I came to revival to take you just a little bit deeper. Is that all right? Do you remember what it said? It said, after the walls fell. Somebody say, after. This says this in your Bible. After the walls fell, every man went into the city and it says, they destroyed everything that was still alive with what? With the sword. Okay, so I want to work here for a second. They killed everything that was still alive with what? With the sword. With the sword. Remember when the angel of the Lord or God manifested himself in the appearance of a man? When God showed up, Right as Joshua was standing there for the first time looking at this situation, God shows up with what? A drawn sword in his hand. Now watch this. And the Bible says Joshua asked him two questions. Now let's break this down. First of all, you've got to understand Joshua is a warrior himself. Joshua has his own sword. So when Joshua sees a man with a drawn sword, catch this, not a sword. It's one thing to have a sword. It's another thing to have a Strong sword. He knew as a warrior, there's only two reasons to have a drawn sword. Reason number one, you're ready to fight. Reason number two, you're ready to equip someone else to fight. So I, I understand now, then, but Joshua asked him two questions. Question number one, whose side are you on? And that's when he said, neither. And Joshua 
in that very moment, go back and read it, that's when Joshua falls face down on the ground in worship. And then he asks him, while worshiping, the second question, he says, what word do you have for your servant? Oh, somebody's about to get this. You're about to realize that the sword that the Lord was holding was not an ordinary sword. You see, the fact that the Lord showed up in a spiritual person, not a physical man, but in a spiritual sense, it makes sense that the sword wasn't a natural sword. It would make sense that the sword would also be a spiritual sword. See, I got a hunch that Joshua knew, but some of y'all are about to get, that the sword that the Lord was holding was not uh, the kind of sword. See, the Bible says the word of the Lord uh, is sharper than a double-edged sword. The Bible says that the word of the Lord, even if the grass withers and the flower fades, that the word of the Lord, which is the sword of the Spirit, will never fade away. It's living and powerful, sharper than a double-edged sword. See, Joshua realized the sword was only symbolic of the true weaponry that he was about to give him. And that's when uh, he says, what word? And God says, I have given you the sword. It's in that very moment that God spoke. Interesting enough, if you go to Revelation, where is the sword of the Spirit when you see Jesus? Coming out of his mouth. That means every time Jesus speaks a thing to you, he is equipping you with the sword of the spirit to destroy everything that's trying to stop you or keep you or prevent you from being where you're going. And in fact, this is where I want to lay in the plane. Because the Bible says they had to take the sword and destroy everything, everything that was still alive. Do you realize the reason why they had to kill everything? I knew this long ago. Because theologians for hundreds of years have said that there were cities in this conquest, this period of time before Jesus ever died on the cross, that were at a point of no return. In other words, there was no hope. God says they all have to die. Everything has to be wiped out. They were so evil, so sick, so twisted, so idolatrous that he would smite entire nations. And Jericho was one of those places. So God says, when the walls fall, take the sword. Anything that is still alive, I want you to destroy that thing with the sword. I want to submit to you that those things in the city of Jericho represent the things in our lives that even though we've experienced victory, what is that thing in your life that should be dead but is still alive? What is that thing in your life that you tried to bring to an altar and kill it, but you went home and it was waiting on you again? What is that thing in your life that if you're honest with yourself on a revival night is the very thing that's keeping you from getting to the promise that God has for you? That thing in your life? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it addiction? Is it illicit relationship? Is it lying? What 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 is it idolatry? What is it a spirit, a spirit of atheism? What is that thing that maybe no one knows about, but God knows about? And it's that thing that's standing between you and your promise. I got good news for you. The Bible shows us how we are to destroy those things. It's with the word of the Lord. So tonight, if you're facing sickness, the sword that's in your hand is by his stripes. Like a flood is going to come an anointing like a 
remember at this altar, and I believe miracles, signs, and wonders are available to them to believe. And here's what I tell our church all the time. There are some things that only happen at the altar. Tonight, don't be afraid of it tonight. I want you to pursue it tonight. It's not about my words. It's not about what I can say. It's not about my altar call. It's about what the presence of God wants to do in you and with you and through you and the earth today. So I just want to ask the man of God, the people of God to sing. And then I'm just going to let there be some awkward silence until the Holy Spirit begins to call you out of your seat into this altar. And here's what I really believe. I believe that as you do a physical act to draw near to God tonight, there is something spiritual that is happening on the other side of this act. Walking and you're kneeling and you're getting before God, but God is doing something in the middle of this natural act. He's doing something supernatural on the inside of us. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcatcher. New episodes are posted on Tuesdays.